And if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Tim, and uh, just have been here about a month or so, getting to know each and every one of you. And if you are new here at Hillside, we would like for you to stop at our connections table up top and uh, just let us get to know you a little bit better, and we have a gift for you as well. We have an opportunity to get to know one another. We're going to take a moment to give each other a high five, a handshake, or a fist bump, and say, hey, I love you, brother. I love you, sister, and you're looking good today. Let's take a few minutes to greet one another. Up in April. Any men out there interested in men's retreat? Okay, Pastor 
Dave and I are going to Venture Train. We're going to have an awesome time. Well, I'm going to get, you cannot come to the Venture Train. I am sorry. But I do have a highlight for women as well, and that is women's breakfast. Any women out there interested in women's breakfast? There's a few more. Uh, your women's ministry will be hosting a breakfast on Saturday the 13th from 9 to 11 at the Gladstone Promise Center. Tickets are $5 that you can pick up today. So we have opportunities for both men and women. And then uh, we have a third highlight this morning, and Chuck is here, and he's going to present an opportunity for men to engage in a year-long study. And uh, so just give a round of applause to Chuck as he shares this opportunity this morning. Thank you so much. I would like every man and woman who has served in our military to please stand. Just out of interest, those of you who served in the Army, please sit. Those in the Navy, please sit. I'm going to guess, well, I don't know, Air Force? Okay, you're down. <laughs> Do I have any left standing, even those up above who are standing out of uh, disharmony here? <laughs> Okay, so we have no Marines. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you Semper Fi. What's it mean? The faithful. Absolutely. And I'm looking this morning for a few good, faithful men. Now, each of us may say, well, I would like that. Uh, I, but I'm not always that faithful. What we're going to introduce is an opportunity to build that into our lives. There's a study I'd like to invite you to called the Disciplines of a Godly Man. Now, in the Marines, you got disciplined, right? If you didn't follow the orders, you got disciplined. But you learned discipline in obeying and getting up early and doing those calisthenics. But what we're talking about is the Disciplines of a Godly Man building into our lives purity, generosity, variety of things. We're going to go over 19 different studies. It's at least a 40-week commitment. So you say, Marines? Well, you can't go in the Marines for less than 40 weeks. So if God is going to move on your heart, that you would like to look deep inside and say, yes, I need to be better disciplined in my godly walk then this can be a study for you. Now, I'm going to also suggest that if you are married and you're interested, that you talk it with your wife before you commit. Because I'm asking for a commitment. I realize that at times uh, people get sick, you go on a vacation, but we're talking a good 40 weeks, guys. And uh, we'll be getting some sometime here in April. There's another caveat to it. That simply with my schedule, I'm going to eliminate some of you that would want to come. But we hope that this will become an ongoing study for Hillside where greater opportunities will be made so everyone can participate that would like to. With my schedule, it's going to have to be a daytime and a weekday daytime. 
somewhere scheduled between 9 and 3. I'm a hospital chaplain, I go on call at 4.30, sorry, I can't do two things at once. So if you are able to meet in that time frame, I'd like you simply to let me know. Uh, have a, we have a workbook that we'll be going through, and I have a sign-up. I'll be up front following the service. If you'd like to sign up, you can, if you want to think about it. Peggy and I are gone the next two Sundays. We'll be back the third Sunday. You can sign up then. We'll be starting again sometime in April. So men, I want to read a verse to you. And this comes from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. And that phrase, act like men, actually can be translated, be the man. And that's what I want you to be. Chuck. And uh, make sure to see Chuck afterwards and get signed up. That'd be great. Pastor Dave. Thanks, Pastor Tim. Be the man. Somebody left their keys up top, but these keys belong to you. Uh, I have your car now, thank you. <laughs> you can come and get these at any point. I'll just let them over here on the stairs. Nobody pay attention to who comes up to get their keys. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Anthony, God bless you. Actually, I stole those from him. I just wanted him to come forward. I love him so invite you to turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 5. Praise the Lord. I trust you have uh, been enjoying our time in the Gospel of John. I was reminded, oh, thank you. I uh, want to release all our junior hires with uh, Joel Eckholt. So if you're junior high age, please join Joel and Jenny. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, when I was growing up, uh, we drank a lot of instant breakfast at our house. We put the emphasis on instant and uh, not so much breakfast. It was uh, a speed drink. We would, my brother and I would race. We shared a bedroom, and it was who could get to the shower first. But in our home, we had to make our beds. Then we had to go downstairs and have breakfast, and then upstairs, and then you could get into the bathroom. We had two sisters as well. We shared this common bathroom, and so man, the guys had to get in there first, right? So everything was, you know, Johnny on the quicks. And so we would literally make our beds, and if our beds weren't made right, my dad would, uh, you know, bring us back upstairs. And so you, you, you really wanted to make sure it was right. And we had ribbed uh, uh, covers. And so we, you know, get those ribs perfectly straight on the edges and, you know, get it tucked under the pillow and just have it just right. You know, and then our little stuffed animals, we kind of arrange appropriately, like just chuck them up, get them up there. So we get downstairs. And uh, I would make the instant breakfast so fast, right? You know, you just pour the milk. And I would even do less milk and it would get a little thicker. And, uh, man, I'd stir that. And sometimes I didn't even bother stirring very much. I just, yeah. And then I would, like, scoop the stuff out of the bottom and eat it like chocolate pudding on the bottom. Is there anybody else who did that? I mean, come on. And if you let it sit for too long, the stuff would just settle out. And I really feel like our study in John chapter 5 has been kind of like that. 
where the instant breakfast has been sitting for a little bit and there's been a settling down at the bottom. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to come in like a spoon and stir some stuff up in us. Just stir a little bit of stuff up in us to bring it up to be a part of the dynamic of what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. It's been an interesting time because Jesus has been accused of violating, as a rabbi, violating the Sabbath, and not only so, but instructing someone to violate the Sabbath. So to violate would be one thing, but then to instruct another to violate was an even more heinous crime. And these crimes are punishable unto death. And so they are persecuting him because of what he has done, and he makes kind of a... In a kangaroo court kind of setting, he makes his opening statements and he tells them why he can do these things and why he has done them. And ultimately, he, he says, this is who I am. He says, to tell you the truth, I am the Son of God. To tell you the truth, I have equality with God. To tell you the truth, I am the giver of life. And to tell you the truth, I'm the final judge. So he lays it out there for them and they're questioning him as to what authority and why and how and who is he and where are his witnesses. And so he brings forth witnesses, if you will. He says his first witness is himself, but they won't receive that. It's invalid because testifying of oneself and only having the testimony of one is not good. So he says, well, I have another that you do accept. That's John, John the Baptist, whom you've enjoyed his witness and his testimony. He speaks of me and uh, brings forth John. And he says, but I have even some that are more hardy than John. He says, listen, the very works that I do, they testify of me and who I am and who has sent me. And then he says, and the Father in heaven who has sent me, he testifies of me. And he says, even furthermore, he says, we have Moses. He says, look, I'm not going to be your judge on that day, but there is one who does judge you. And that's Moses. Moses, the one whom you trust in, he testifies of me. And he says, for he has written of me. And so the scriptures also testify. So where the law required two or three witnesses, Jesus supplies six witnesses. And then you know, if you've been following along with us, that Jesus then takes off his defense attorney hat and puts on the prosecuting attorney's hat. And he gives some 12 indictments to the teachers of the law of that day, to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those that are members of the Sanhedrin, the actual judicial organization, the judicial branch of their government, he is giving an indictment to them. And so he says these 12, and we read these, well, let's just, we'll read the text from verse chapter 5, verse 31 through 47. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true or not valid to you. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and John has borne witness of the truth. Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things that you might be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me 
and, or excuse me, that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time. And here's where we see these indictments. You have not heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor? that comes from the only God. Do you think that I shall accuse you to the Father? There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so again, these indictments, and I'm going to read them a little bit plainer, and I think they're on the screen behind me. Here are the 12 indictments. Number one, you have not heard his voice at any time. Speaking of the Father, you have not seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. You do not believe whom he sent. You think you have eternal life, for you search the scriptures and you think you have. You are not willing to come to me that you might have life. You won't come to me, if you will. Number seven, you do not have the love of God in you. Number eight, you do not receive me in my Father's name. Number nine, how can you believe you who receive honor from another, or from others, your peers? You do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. You do have one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. And you do not believe Moses' writings. Therefore, how will you believe mine? Twelve indictments. And these are... These are worthy for you and I to look at. As I mentioned, the stirring up of the stuff on the bottom, if you will, of the cup of instant breakfast. And they're worthy for you and I because sometimes in our Christian walk, we can settle. We can find a settling in our living. And the Spirit of God has seen fit to put these indictments to speak to us, for us to consider how does this apply to me? You see, it's not the Jews that the indictments were toward only. It was definitively toward them, but it really is indictments of humanity because they are a microcosm, if you will, of how all of us in our human nature behave. And I believe that the Spirit of God is wanting to do something internally in you and in me. So thankful for that. I'm certain that John, when he was being led by the Spirit of God to pen out these words and to write out these words, that the Spirit of God had purpose and intent and he was moving us into a pathway. John reminds us in chapter 20 and verse 31 what his purpose was. The purpose for writing these things. The, this account he said there were many, many more things that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. He said too many to enumerate, too many to write down. The whole volume of books of the whole world couldn't contain what Jesus has done. 
But he said, they haven't been written down. Only these have been written down. And the purpose that they were written down were for you and I and for them that they would believe who Jesus is. That he is the Son of God. He is Messiah. And to believe his words, what he says, is perfect. And will always work in the midst of our circumstances. Say that with me. Always work. His word will always work. No matter your circumstances. No matter your ringtone. <laughs> it'll always work. Let's talk about influence for just a moment. I'm so thrilled that my nephew David is in town. Everyone say, hi, David. Hi, David. Yesterday we went to the snow for just a little while and Dave has some really cool shoes and they have, you know, they're like runner shoes. They have, uh, it's kind of a mesh and I thought walking in snow with mesh shoes makes for cold toes. Can, are you with me? So I let him borrow a pair and I always, with the white tennis shoes that I wear, they're, uh, they're K-Swiss. I always buy K-Swiss. I like the way they fit. I like the way that I feel in them. I've worn them since I was in high school. They're great shoes. And so I have my K-Swiss, I order them online, I get my shoes, I always have an extra pair sitting underneath my, underneath my bed. My kids get them to me for Christmas, it's great. So David got an old pair of my shoes. So I, I put them in these white K-Swiss shoes that are got a little bit of paint on them and some dirt from the yard and kind of things, it's the old pair. And uh, he had some really nice shorts because he's from Southern California. And I said, bro, you're going to probably be cold up in the snow. Maybe you should borrow a pair of my black sweatpants. So he put on a pair of my black sweatpants. I had a pair of black sweatpants on. I had my white tennis shoes on. Pretty soon I said, well, you probably, you know, you got a hoodie on. And I got a hoodie on. But we should have some jackets that are waterproof. So I gave him one of my black jackets. I had a black jacket on. And I'm looking. And I think, this is pretty, this is pretty funny because my sister sends up. Her son, my nephew, whose name is David Michael, which is my name, David Michael, and uh, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, influence, man. You got, you got the shoes, you got the sweats, you got the hoodie, you got the jacket. I said, you stick around for one or two more days, you're gonna lose your hair. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> it's influence, and I believe that Jesus wants to make an influence in our lives, and so He's brought out these indictments so that we would process them. And if they apply in our lives, that we would seek to honor Jesus and learn from Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus. And so we've looked at a couple. We've looked at a couple last two weeks ago. We looked at you do not have his word abiding in you. And the antidote for not having his word abiding in us is to let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. To hide his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. And so last week we looked at you're not willing to come to me that you might have life. And we're going to look today. You do not receive me. You do not receive me. And we'll also look at number nine, which is... Uh, kind of the causal reason why we will not receive from the Lord. It's interesting. He says, you will not receive me. I come in my Father's name and you will not receive me. But if another comes in his name, him you'll receive. That's challenging. Again, Hosea, the prophet says in chapter 4 and verse 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
we could go to the one who has all wisdom. But we don't. We don't. Now I know you're sitting here and you say, well, I mean, sometimes I do. I mean, if you're a sometimes I do, we can raise our hand and we can take a little bit of comfort saying, yeah. yeah. And it is, yeah, I mean, praise God. But as we dig a little deeper, and that's my heart's desire that today and the next few moments we would just dig a little deeper with the Holy Spirit like a spoon, get down into that thick stuff that's settled and stirred back up. Does it make sense? Okay. So, question number one. Who or what, if we're not willing to receive him, then who or what are we receiving? If we're not willing to receive him, then who or what are we actually receiving? Paul in his letter to the churches of the providence of Galatia, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would turn aside to another gospel that is not a gospel? Who has bewitched you that you would turn aside to another gospel? I want you to think for just a moment. Remember when we were in grade school, we had to put on our thinking caps? You should put on your thinking cap. Just think, think back just for a moment to the last complaint that you had. Just kind of the last complaint. Maybe it was something about work. Maybe it was something about that other driver. Maybe it was something about your spouse. Maybe it was something about one of your kids. Maybe it was something about church. Maybe it was something about some other scenario. Maybe it was some governmental thing or some political thing, right? I mean, that's a hot button. Where did your complaint is? Where did you field that complaint? Where did you, where did you lay the complaint out? Where did you cast that complaint? A lot of times, believer or unbeliever, faith, no faith. We take our complaints and we find an audience that will listen to our complaint. Sometimes we'll even test the waters to see if the complaint's going to land on the proper waters so that we can get affirmation in our position. Do you know what I'm saying? In many respects, we're like rallying troops going to gather the army behind me to support me because I like my position. You see it in families. Complaints against spouses rally your bloodline while the other spouse might be rallying their bloodline, right? The husband might go back and talk with his dad or his brother. The wife might call the mom on the phone and all of a sudden it's just kind of telling your side of the story and rallying the troops. If you've done that before, just join me in raising your hand and say, yeah, I know, I know that. I've done that. I look for those who are like-minded to agree with me. By the way, if you're wearing green, congratulations. I looked at it just, just a moment ago, I realized there's a lot of green out here today. Matt Jordan said, I got green, it's just green with envy that everybody else remembered to wear green. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day, 
we rallied troops to reinforce often a preconceived mindset, a preconceived space. The Pharisees were not much unlike this. You see, they had an understanding of what the Sabbath was supposed to be. This is how the Sabbath works. And you don't do what you did on the Sabbath. And he's the one who established the Sabbath, Jesus. And they're like teaching him what the Sabbath is. They have a mindset. This is what it's supposed to look like. And you, you don't fit. They won't come to him and have life. They won't receive him because it doesn't fit with their space. This is, this is my box. Boop. And we do that. And so they rallied the troops behind him. Hey, look at this guy. And we do that. It kind of makes us not much unlike the Pharisees. Right? Anybody here ever been somewhat pharisaical in your application of biblical truth? Come on. All 17 of us, there's more. <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, we do that. A lot of times. Maybe we'll listen to advice. We'll cast our nets out there. And then we'll listen for folks who agree with us and support us in our space. And now we have a little army to reinforce in many cases, wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. So the who or the what we're receiving, just look at where you're casting your complaints and what that's looking like. You see, because the scripture doesn't say cast your cares and your complaints upon people. It says cast your cares to me, Jesus said. But in so many cases, we know what Jesus is going to say. And we don't like what he's going to say because it's different than where we are. It's different than our frame of reference. It's different than our box. It doesn't fit. We don't like that. So the Jews, they had their position. They didn't like it. Do I do this or do I practice going to Jesus first? This is interesting. Consider the disciples, right? I mean, they're... They're Jesus' posse, so to speak, 12 men. And listen, I mean like very shortly before he's going to be crucified. I mean, so these guys have been with Jesus three years. Like daily. In the flesh with Jesus. Could you imagine what that would have been like? We'd have been scratching our heads too at just about every word he was saying like, I'm going to pretend for a moment like I understand what he's saying so none of the brothers around me will question whether or not I understand or not. But I'll look at their faces and go, don't you understand what he's saying here? You know, we try, you know, like I got it going on or something. And we behave that same way. Sometimes we act like that. Like we actually know what's going on. And if you don't really know what's going on most of the time, raise your hand with me, please. And say, man, that's me. This is me. I don't get it. I mean, I don't even... Half the time I read what Jesus says, I actually do not grasp what he is saying. Like when he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. I mean, there in the text, it indicates very probably there was over 7,000 people there. 
6,988 of them turned and walked away. Twelve. He turned to the twelve and said, what about you? And Peter, thank God for Peter, he said, well, where would we go? You have the very words of life. I don't think I understand any of what you just said either. But you, where are we going to go? And we know they didn't understand. Listen to what he says in Matthew. Jesus is talking to him in Matthew 26. And if they would have just listened instead of being offended. What? Anybody here get offended easy by what other people say? Just jump on social media. <laughs> you can be offended real quick. Listen to these words. Then Jesus said to them, Matthew 26, verse 31, please write it down and go and read these words again. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So he said, all of you will be offended because of me tonight. And their brains stopped. They got stuck on that. And immediately they're defensive. But I will not be, I will not be offended by you. And so they didn't hear that strike the shepherd, kill the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. They didn't hear that part. They didn't hear him say, but after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Because Peter then speaks up again, because Peter just, he's so much like us. He just focuses. He says, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never stumble. I, Peter... I'm above these guys. I won't stumble. And we self-elevate a lot. And we miss the boat. We will not come to Jesus because we're focused on me. Are you with me this morning? Anybody here besides me focused on? Well, you're not focused on me. You're focused on me like you. But if that's you, just say, yes. Me, 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 me. And I'm not trying out the choir. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> if everybody else, Jesus said, oh, really? Peter? Truly, assuredly, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me tonight three times. See, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. He doesn't believe. Like he's been walking with Jesus for three years. Jesus is talking to him and him alone. How many of you would like to have Jesus have a direct conversation with you and you alone? I mean, we would all jump on that scene. Like, absolutely, Jesus, please speak to me. We pray, oh God, please speak to me. And Peter's like, Jesus, Jesus tells him, oh, Peter, thank you for speaking up and saying you would not. But I'm here to tell you, tonight, you will deny me three times. He says, no, I won't. Peter, face to face with Jesus every single day, doesn't believe what he's saying. I mean, is he Messiah? Is he God? Are, are you following me? And yet we arrogantly oftentimes will say, well, I believe. Absolutely, I believe. <clears throat> and I feel like we're just like Peter so often. We are just like, hello. What is God actually saying? 
Do you know that after Jesus was crucified, you know the text, you know the story, they're wandering around with their heads in the sand and they're kicking the dirt and saying, we thought this guy was going to be the one. Had they just listened to what he said, but after I have been raised, he's telling them, I'm going to raise from the dead. They didn't even hear that. And I wonder what we don't hear because we won't come to him. But we will come to someone else. We'll feel our complaints, we'll feel our stuff, and people will feed us all kinds of stuff because they come in their name. And they'll feed us, well, that sounds pretty good. It even sounds biblical. Did you catch that? It even sounds biblical. Gotta help us stir it up. We have to take our stuff to Jesus. Who's the one who leads us into all truth? It is the Spirit of Christ that dwells in us. We have to take things to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will direct us very, very specifically. He's not like, well, here's a broad brush. Oh, and blood. He's the one who directed Jesus to a massive crowd of people that were infirmed and sick and waiting for an angel to come and stir some water. And they're all at the pool of Bethesda. And the Spirit of God directed Jesus to a man who had been infirm for 38 years. And, they, and Jesus said, bro, do you want to be healed? Well, I can't get in the water or someone always. And we just, they just start making, he makes all these excuses. He's like, get up, pick up your mat, walk, let's go. There's specificity in the Spirit of God. <laughs> Don't do a thesaurus on that or a dictionary check, I'm sure I butchered the enunciation. There's specificity. Somebody please help me. <laughs> Spirit of God, He knows. The Scripture tells us in John 16 and verse 13, the Spirit will not speak on His own authority, but He will speak those things that He has heard, and He will tell you things to come. Like, yes, amen. Do we actually believe that? Yes. Come on. So we, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's not go there first. Because he will. And that's the beauty. And this is the stir. Because in so many cases, we don't. And we're like the Pharisees. We're barking at each other about it. And like, can you believe this guy? Blah, 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 blah. And that's what we do with our friends. Can you believe these circumstances and situations? Blah, blah, blah. And if we would just go to the Lord and wait... For him, he will, because he says he will, if we will but listen. Do I want to hear what he has to say? Because when he speaks, it's different than what we think. Listen, why, how, do I, how do we know it's different than what we think? Because pretty much everything Jesus says, I think diametrically opposed to how he says it. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you, you have heard what it was said, but I tell you, 
Six different times. That's the dialogue. You have heard that it was said. This is your normal practice. This is how you behave. This is all that you are. This is your frame of reference. This is your box. But I tell you, it's different than that. You've heard that it was said not to commit adultery, but I'm going to tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. Look, Paul, the apostle, has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Lord, what would you have me to do? And then later, he says, man, when I was figuring it all out, I was in that box, everything in that box that defined the rules of the box, he says, oh, according to that, I live perfect. According to the law, perfect. As a Pharisee, perfect. A Hebrew of Hebrews, perfect. He said, then I realized the law was spiritual. It was no longer the physical act of committing adultery or the physical act of murder. It's hatred in my heart. It's lust in my heart. He says, good grief, who can save me from this body of flesh? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And this is the invitation to come, to receive Jesus, not receiving for salvation, but to receive his implanted word into our circumstances that we might have life and not receiving something from someone else. Listen, I love Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey is going to teach biblical finances. But if you want to know what to do in your finances, just go to Jesus. It's in the word of God and apply those principles and you will see your finances turn around. In your marriage, if you say my marriage is in just shambles, go to Jesus. Here's the thing. Jesus probably will say something to you that you're going to have to respond to individually. You say, no, no, but my spouse, but, but he or she, but no, he's like, no. Stop. You. 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 Because he wants to do a resurrection work in each of us individually. And it means dying to self. You see, the Pharisees didn't want Jesus because he wouldn't conform to their way. They were proud. They were arrogant. They were right in their own minds right in their own frame of reference. And he was inviting them to something completely different. That was humility and death. He said, follow me. Where did he go? He went to the cross and he died. And they didn't want that. And he's inviting you and I to the cross. If you will be my disciple. Take up your cross daily. Die to self daily and follow me. And that's the invitation. I've discovered in my walk with the Lord, I can get one nail in. <laughs> Come on, I'm doing pretty good. And then I get my feet together and I can get another nail. It's a little harder to hold the nail now, but I can <laughs> get it in. 
And then I'm a wild man with a hammer in my hand. And I'm in pain, so I can do a lot of damage. I need to hand the hammer to the Holy Spirit. Say, finish the work. Finish the work. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to crucify all the other stuff and come to Jesus and receive what Jesus has to say and allow him to have his perfect work in us. If you are a candidate for that kind of relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son and His Holy Spirit in your life, I want you to just stand with me this morning. Will you stand with me and say, that's the kind of faith I want to live. That's the kind of walk I want to live with Jesus. Come on, amen. Amen. It's kind of an easy altar response, right? Because pretty much everybody, do you want to live more like Jesus? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we all do. But are we willing pray. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. As Abigail is going to lead this song. It's a powerful song. And, this, and then Pastor Dennis is going to close in a benediction prayer. But I want to pray with us and for us this morning. And we're all inclusive in this prayer. God, have your way. Father, by your Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, would you reveal, would you reveal our soul to ourselves? In the sobriety of this moment, Lord, we're, I don't want to do things Jesus' way. I want to kind of do things my way. And I want to, I want to have my little stuff. And I want, to, I want to hold on to my ways and my frame and my box and my reference pieces. Because I like it there. And it's safe there. And I want you to conform to me. And you, by your spirit, are saying, I won't conform to you. But I have invited you to be renewed. To no longer be conformed to the image of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, we're standing in your presence and we're saying, yes, so oh God. Yes, so oh God. We see the indictments of our humanity. We see the indictment of our human nature. And even though we may be born again, there's that part that is just not willing to be transformed. And we're saying, no, God, crucify that too. We drop the hammers and we say, pin me to the cross. Like, like uh, Andrew, can we say about the cross, oh cross, oh cross, how long I've been sought to embrace thee. And may we embrace the death to self. Lord, will you have your way in our hearts? We need you. And Father, today I pray that if there are any in the house this morning that would like prayer afterwards, as our prayer team is up at the altars after service, I pray that people would come forward to be prayed with, to be prayed for. And that Lord, today would mark the day where we said, yes to Jesus. We will receive you in your name. No more will we receive others. We will receive you in your name. And so in your Father's name. So Father, bless. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people so strong. Amen. Amen. Please do not break from where you are. Let's just turn our eyes towards the Lord and let's sing this song and let this be the affirmation of who we are going to be. Thank you.
Father, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for the word. May we, Father, as your children, humble ourselves and allow you to do your word. May we hear you. And by hearing you, may we walk in the spirit to be closer to you each and every day. We give you thanks, God, because your goodness is so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.